the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in this series called The Exodus as the end of this series will end with Easter. It's the children of Israel, delivered from the Egyptians, on their way to the promised land, delivered from slavery, but they're complaining and even suggesting, let's go back. They were not walking in freedom. And maybe you aren't either. Pastor Sean has some ideas on how to change your mind and renew your mind. Reachingforreallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do so today. There's a place to give at reachingforreallife.org. Today it's part two of the message called The Problem of Egypt. Pastor Sean is predictably in Exodus and Romans chapter 12. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. We know we were created in the image of God, but sin has marred that image and it killed our spirits. We are born into sin. And if we don't understand this, we are dead, we are separated, and we are lost apart from Jesus Christ. And when God's spirit comes to dwell in us, what he actually does is bring our spirit back to life. We were separated, we were lost, we were slaves to sin, but because of Jesus, he has made us alive through his cross. And what I want to say to you this morning, there is the legal aspect whereby on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sins and we are justified. But something else happens when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, when we receive him as Lord and Savior, we surrender our lives to him. Not only does he forgive the sins of our past, but he comes into our life. He comes into our life by his Holy Spirit in us. Paul just said, if you don't have the Spirit, you don't, you're not in Christ. His Spirit comes and brings our spirit to life. So what I want to suggest is there's a different kind of power in us. And I love verse 11 where he says, the very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead gives life to your mortal bodies. That means that it's not up to my willpower. It's not up to, well, I'm going to try again. I'll do better this time. No, when I surrender to his spirit, there is a supernatural power that becomes activated in my life, in your life, that allows us to become more like Jesus, that allows us to respond in those moments more like him. His spirit bringing my spirit to life. And that is available for everyone who has confessed their sin and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We are different. See, God took you out of Egypt, but now we have to let him take Egypt out of us. And he does that by his spirit giving life to my spirit. Second thing, his spirit renews my mind. His spirit renews my mind. This is a really important idea right here, okay? Not that the other one wasn't, but I'm just saying, this is one that I think we don't, we don't sometimes really understand the full weight of, okay? Verse five, remember what it says? For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit. I have to tell you, I have, I've been 
I got saved when I was eight years old. Okay? I'm certainly by no means a, a perfect Christian or a perfect person, but I never, I've never walked away. I've always taken my faith seriously. I've always done my best to follow Jesus and trusted in his grace to get me through. But I have to tell you, being in the Spirit, I know how often my mind is pulled to things of the flesh. And that's a drag. I just want to receive Jesus and have that all be over. But the fact is, there's this thing, this world that I'm in has influenced me. And it's like, we need to understand, my mind, your mind has been shaped by the ideas and the attitudes of the world around us. You know that? We have been shaped by the attitudes and the, idea, and the ideas of the world around us. And it pops up and comes out all the time. Stop and think about it. What's your vision for your life? If we Stop and think about our vision for your life. Is that more like the world or more like the kingdom? And, and, and I'm, I don't say that as a condemnation or a judgment to anybody. I'm just saying when we stop and think about, okay, what are my goals, my dreams, my ambitions? What's my vision for my life? What do I picture myself being, doing, having in, in 20 years from now or 10 years from now? That's how, the vision for your life. It's a picture of a preferred future. Is that more shaped by the world I was raised in or is that more shaped by the kingdom of God? And I gotta tell you, a lot of times it seems like it's more like the world around us than like, it's like we live in our church life and there's our, you know, kind of our church community and our Bible study life. But then when we go and start talking about like our real life out there, goals, ambitions, dreams, what we want to do, it's like we sink into the same pattern everybody else sinks into. How about who do I trust in the midst of a crisis? What do I trust in the midst of a crisis? Because that's when the pressure's on. It's easy to say I trust God when there's nothing really big to trust him for. It's like life's going good and everything's going all right. But when all of a sudden I'm in a crisis and it's like I can't fix this, because we have been trained to trust certain things. We've been trained to trust. I mean, we've, we've, got, we've got stuff all around us that we turn to and depend on. You know, I've got my savings, got my retirement account, I've got my insurance, I've, I've got the experts. Oh, there's always an expert I can trust. What do you do when the experts say one thing and the word of God says another? And it's your stuff, your life, your future on the line. The experts say this, the word of God says this. What are you going to do? See, that's an indication of where our mind is and how our mind has been influenced by the ideas and attitudes of the world around us. Who do I trust in a crisis? How about my professional practices? What I do at work? How I do my work? How I deal with contracts, negotiations, customers, vendors, all the stuff. Certain operating way, way of operating that's laid out by the business climate, by the community, by my employer. Does Jesus have any involvement in that? Does my faith? How about my politics? You're like, oh, forget it. God doesn't care anything about politics, so we can do whatever we want. Woohoo! Yeah. God may not care much about politics, but he cares a lot about you. He cares a lot about me. And our politics, it's like we, we know this. We talk about this a lot. Our politics should be shaped by the word of God and by our faith, not the other way around. And yet, sadly, I think sometimes we, are, we have much more affinity with people who kind of see, see politics the same way we do than our other brothers and sisters in Christ. These are all examples of ways we're influenced and we're pushed by these different 
things. How about our priorities? What's most important? You know, let me flip it the other way. We, we all have these. We don't talk about them a lot, but we all have non-negotiables. Things are like, in my time, in my money, or in whatever, these, these are non-negotiables. These got to be there. What are your non-negotiables? That's a great indicator of where we are in our, our thoughts, our mind, our attitude. See, we have been influenced by the world around us, and we have been shaped by that. And one of the things that God wants to do is help us become more like Jesus. The, the question that I sometimes struggle with is how different are we than the neighbor who lives down the street from us, nice person, great person, but they have no affinity with Jesus. They don't care about Jesus. They're doing their own thing. They don't believe in Jesus. How different is my life, my choices, my priorities, my vision, my practices than that neighbor? Hebrews 3 and 4 is a really interesting couple of chapters. And what what makes it so interesting in light of this study is they're talking about, the writer of Hebrews is talking about the generation that came out of Egypt, who Moses led out of Egypt. And he talks about that generation that left Egypt and rebelled in the, wind, in the wilderness, and it, consequently they failed to enter what the writer calls his rest. Really interesting picture. His rest, which is kind of this imagery of the promised land. And it speaks a lot to us. Here's a few verses that kind of summarize the situation. Hebrews 3, 16 through 19. Listen to what it says. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? Exactly who we've been talking about. And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Talking about God. God was provoked by these people. And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear they would not enter his rest? but to those who were disobedient. So we see, listen, this is so important. So we see they were unable to enter because of what? Unbelief. They were unable to enter because of unbelief. And he used three different words in that short little passage. Sin, rebellion, disobedience. All because of unbelief. See, that promised land of rest, that's such an important illustration. We're supposed to live there. This idea of resting in him, of live, it's a place we live. It's not a place we visit. Not a place we go and visit for a while and then leave. No, we are supposed to live. It's like the promised land for them. His rest, his presence, his kingdom is where we are supposed to live. What's fascinating when you think about this and you think about them and I think sometimes us set free in Christ but still captive. Set free but still captive. And one of the things that's so powerful in Scripture, he promises to renew our mind, to change this mind that has been so shaped and influenced by the world that we were raised in. And I don't say that, that's not a condemnation, that's just a reality we should recognize. But he wants to renew our minds. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I love this passage. It says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And listen to what he says in verse 2, he says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world or to the wor- this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. I don't think you could say that any, any better. That, that picture, those two pictures of being conformed to the pattern of this world. Con- conforming is like this outward pressure, 
pushing you into mold. Does our world ever put any outward pressure on us to think a certain way, say certain things, be certain things? I feel like that's gotten turned up pretty significantly in the last couple of years. It's being laid on pretty thick, wouldn't you say? I mean, it's everywhere. And that's that picture. Don't be conformed. Don't be pressed into this mold because this world is not happy to live and let live. When they said that, that was a lie. That was a way to give us to get, get us to kind of back off a little bit. So all of a sudden, it could gain steam and momentum. And now all of a sudden, that pressure is on us. Don't be conformed, pressed in, reshaped by the pattern of this world. But instead, be transformed. See, conformity is outside in. Transformation is inside out. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And here's where we take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called The Problem of Egypt. It's in this series called The Exodus, which is available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. And in fact, your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azar. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer, but I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion to the message, The Problem of Egypt. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. That's one of the gifts God gives us. Do you know, the scripture says he's going to give us the mind of Christ. Do you know what that means? That means that we are literally going to change the way we see things. Okay, that person who really ticks us off, who our flesh, the world around us has taught us, we want to crush them. And instead, all of a sudden, it's going to be like we're going to start to see them through different eyes. We're going to see them through the eyes of Christ. We're going to see them as someone who is broken and hurting and who needs redemption. And all of a sudden, we're going to begin to feel this thing called compassion. And you're like, what's wrong with me? What happened? I'm losing my edge. No, you're not. You're starting to get the power of the Spirit in your life. doesn't mean that people don't do things that are wrong, that make us angry or whatever. But what it means is, is I begin to see differently because I'm beginning to get the mind of Christ. As I think about my resources, my future, I look at it through the lens of Christ. Lord, what do you have for me? Lord, what do you want to do with my life? What do you want to do with my resources? It's all yours. And we begin to think differently. See, we're becoming more like Christ because our minds are being renewed. 
God took us out of Egypt, but now we have to let him take Egypt out of us. Last thing, Paul pointed out, his spirit leads me to new behaviors. His spirit leads me to new behaviors. His spirit gives life to my spirit. His spirit renews my mind, but now his spirit leads me to new behaviors. Because here's the thing, if you think my mind has been trained by this world, my flesh has been trained by old habits. And habits are kind of a big deal. They really are, because we don't have to think about them. They're ingrained, they're kind of automatic. We just kind of react certain ways. It's funny, just growing up, just living life, just going to school, all this stuff. When someone came and came after me and started getting in my face, nobody had, I, I didn't have to go look up, hold on, I'm not sure how to respond. Let me go do some research. No, I just automatically knew. I gotta dial it up. They come at me with a seven, welcome to Mr. Nine. I just skip right by eight. And I'm keeping 10 in my pocket if I need it. They, I, I, nobody, nobody taught me that. It's just living in this world, walking through life, interacting. There are just things that are habits. And habits are, they're tough. Good habits are great because, again, they become automatic. They become ingrained. But bad habits are also automatic and ingrained. And one of the things he wants to do is he wants to give me new habits. He wants to retrain my behavior. If you have your Bibles, one, one more time as we wrap up. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to begin reading at verse 17. Paul writes this beautiful passage, and and this is so important. There's like two sections of this, and I want you to grab on that. I'm going to begin at verse 17 and just follow along because I think you're going to see where we're going with this. He says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in futility of their minds. What he's talking about is unbelievers, people who don't know God. That's what he's referring to. As the Gentiles, what unbelievers do in the futility of their mind, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart, their hardness of heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. In other words, you are just like those other unbelievers. You're just another one of them. It's not us and them. When it comes to sin, brokenness, lostness, there is no us and them. It's just us. So he's saying, you have been taught to put that off and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now listen. So that's kind of the big picture That's this big idea of departure. But listen to what he says. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. In other words, that's a new habit. Stop lying, put off falsehood, and speak the truth. Speak the truth. That's a new habit. And there are people who just lie. I mean, I've known people who'd rather lie than tell the truth. Not a lot of them quite that bad, but it's just like this thing, just this deceit. Too much fear, too much hiding, and it's always deceit. And, and what Paul's saying, wait, you're new in Christ. So if you struggle with lying, and maybe you're not that extreme, but when the pressure's on, and you know the pressure's on, and all of a sudden I can tell the truth or I can lie, he says, put, put off that thing. You're going to get a new habit. Don't walk in falsehood anymore. Now speak the truth. There's a new habit, a new habit that he wants to empower us by his spirit. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Look at there, a new habit. 
I'm like, wait a minute, my, my, my anger. He, he didn't say don't be angry. He said be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. That's a new habit. Like, yeah, there are things in this world we should be angry with. But he says, when you get angry, do not sin. Do not lash out. Do not strike out. Do not retaliate. And when there is anger, don't let the sun go down. In other words, settle accounts, make accounts right quickly. See, that's a new habit. That's what the Spirit's working in us. That's what he's doing. The old self was anger and losing control. The new self, yes, there are still things that will anger us, but we don't lose control. We do not sin. We don't give opportunity to the devil. Verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Stop stealing. Start working. That's just, that's, that's a new habit. For some people, it's like, man, I just got to get what I can get however I can get it. I just got to get by. I got to take care of number one. He's saying, no, I, I don't want you to do that anymore. God's your provider. Stop stealing. Do work. Get a job. And, and he says, and what's interesting, not just so you can meet your own needs, but he wants to bless you in your work so much that you have enough to share. You have enough to share. You now have enough to be generous. It's one thing to say, boy, if I had a lot, I'd be generous. Yeah, if, you don't, if you're not generous with what you have now, you won't be generous with, with more. That's just the way it works. Because the amount isn't where the generosity comes from. The heart is where generosity comes from. And he's saying, I want to build a new habit in you. A habit of not stealing or taking. Because it's like we're this, we're this negative drain on everything around us when we're a taker. He says, no. I want you to learn the blessing of using the gifts, skills, creativity I gave you for good, honest work. And then I want you to work, and not only are you no longer a taker, but you're taking care of yourself. You're taking care of your family. But now you've made enough to be a giver. You can have an open hand. And we've seen it, as we've talked before, God blesses an open hand. You can't bless a tight fist. That's a new habit. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Ooh, speech habits? Mmm, that's, that's a hard one. Because speech comes so easily, doesn't it? And we live in a world, man, where words fly around. And James even said the tongue is the, one of the toughest members to control. Little tiny member of your body, a lot of sin comes from the tongue. Paul said, get a new habit. Get a new habit. Learn to use your speech to love people, to encourage people, to build people up, to speak God's word to them, to encourage them with vision and hope and possibilities instead of tearing them down. That's a new habit. Habits take time. Habits aren't easy. But that's what he's saying. Verse 30 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And 31, he gives us new habit. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Here's the new habit. That was the old habit, put it away. Here's the new one. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Don't be angry, bitter, vindictive negative. Become someone who loves other people because Jesus loved you. Become someone who forgives other people because Jesus forgave you. And it's so freeing. It's such a gift. See, the new habits, they change how we walk. They change how we live. They change what we do. 
you know, we've been talking this year, we started the year, a major kind of emphasis of, of being in the Word every single day. Every person in the Word every day. Word and prayer, Word and prayer. There's a habit that changes everything. And, and I mean, I hope you're doing well in that. I hope you have taken that seriously, and I hope you're in the Word daily. And I know there's some people here who already, gee, we're into March. This is probably true in the middle of February. You know, you made a big commitment. I'm going to read 14 chapters every day, and you made it like four days. And then you bailed. Look, truth be told, I would rather you read a couple verses every day and actually act on a few of those a week. Really, to where, where the Holy Spirit use, takes that scripture and you now do something with it because that's where the power is. The power is when you actually do what God said because that's when you see the fruit of obedience. That's when all of a sudden people become believers and their eyes get big as saucers as they go, oh my gosh, I did what God asked me to do instead of what the world asked me to do or what my flesh wanted to do and look at the fruit I saw. Look what God did. That's how our faith is built. So I'd rather you, if, if you just read a few verses a day and you pray and you talk to the Lord and you listen for his voice and then you, you really work that into your spirit and you do something about those few verses, I think you'll see life change. I don't care if you're reading five chapters a day, every day for 365 days a year if you don't do anything about it. If you don't do anything about it, you're gonna become one of these people who's biblically really smart but yet not seeing much life change. The goal is life change. The goal is letting him take Egypt out of me and help me become more like Jesus. God took you out of Egypt. Now we have to let him take Egypt out of us. That is Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series called The Exodus, it's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotoma Park, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.